0: I'm Katherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author Deanna Singh. Her new book is A Smart Girl's Guide, Race and Inclusion, Standing Up to Racism and Building a Better World. Whether girls have seen protests in the news and wondered what they're about, or they've seen someone treated unfairly because of the color of her skin, or even being treated unfairly because of the color of theirs, they may have questions about racism. Deanna Singh uh, helps girls understand race, racism, and anti-racism, and why practicing inclusion can have an important impact on our world. The quizzes, tips, and ideas will help her learn the best ways to take action to challenge racism in herself and her community. Building inclusion and standing up to racism is an exciting journey. Uh, Singh is a business consultant, speaker, and podcaster who is internationally recognized for her work in leadership, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being on the show, Deanna.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here.
0: All right. We're going to be talking about inclusion, diversity, racism. These are big topics in the news all the time, uh, you know, I have to just ask you, you know, when you talk about race, um, and I've had several people on the show and we've had this kind of a discussion, but aren't we all the human race and that racism is more a social label that we use rather than anything that has to do with our biological makeup?
1: That is true. I think that one of the things that's important to point out when we're having this conversation about race is that. While it might be socially constructed, there are some things that are, make it really important for us to understand and distinguish what those what those constructs are, right? They, they they are real because people have to live their lives understanding and navigating through them. So it is true biologically, right? We we all share that human race component, but we also have a very well-created these other things. Um, you know, I'd like to use this example. Um, paper is money. You know, it's... It, paper. And so we have constructed that when we look at a dollar bill or we look at a yen or we look at, you know, any form of, of money, we've decided that there's a different value that's attributed to that, right, like as a, as a society. And in the same way, um, but it's just paper, right? It's just paper until we've made a decision that we are going to attribute something else to it. And that is what has happened uh, with race. And so I think it's just important to understand that, that yes, we are part of the human race and... Um, it's not, but, and we have attributed certain things um, too, to what it means to be from different races.
0: When we're talking about what it means, as you've described it, let's talk about the children. where That's where we begin, right? We need to begin our conversations with our children. So what do we do? How do we do it? What you know, let let's start from the beginning because obviously that's the most uh, critical. Time when we can be discussing these issues with children. Um, so, recommendations: What do we do? Where do we start? When do we start? Yeah, you
1: know. So, I think one thing that's really important um, to point out here is that a lot of times I will get people who will say, well, when do, when do we start, right? So I'm going to talk about what do we start at. I promise I'll come back to your question. Okay, sure. But one of the questions is, you know, when do we start? Like, when, when do we start having these conversations? And I think it always is surprising, uh, not always, right, depending on what your experience is with, with young people and, and the way that the brain works, but a lot of people are surprised to know that uh, children are making race-based decisions as early as three months old. Right, and just because of what their exposure to different races might be and how they're, what they see and, and what they're seeing in little books that they might be um, exposed to. And so I think one of the, the first and kind of most important things is to understand that our children are getting exposure to, to different races and, and race and the idea of race at very, very, very young age, even before they're talking. And so I think one thing to do is just to be cognizant. So to get to answer your your actual question, one thing is to just be cognizant of the fact that um, race is really everywhere that we're going and and it's playing a part in the ways that people and young people and children are experiencing the world around them. Um, You know, one of the things that made me so excited about being able to partner up with American Girl and write this book is that a lot of times um, children don't really get a chance to see themselves. In, in some of the things that they're, they're constantly exposed to. And books is a really big space for that. You know, I, as a woman of color, I didn't see a girl that looked like me, that had brown skin, until I was a teenager in, in a book, ever. And I was a ferocious reader. And so when you think about what that means, right, and, and the research shows that children of color make up more than 50% of our school-age children, but are represented in less than 14% of books. And when you look at, like, picture books, I think it's less than 1% of books, right? The books we we give children when they're first, when they're littles. um, And that that has an impact on how people see themselves in the world and and what their experience is like when they're interacting with literature or they're interacting in school or even with concepts of, you know, learning around reading, right? And, and, well, do I show up here? Is this a place for me? Those are some important questions that children are asking, even if they don't have the words for them
0: and fortunately it's very different i have i have three boys grown boys and one has kids three kids so i have three grandchildren and i am very immersed in exactly what you're talking about i mean the books today including yours obviously are really i mean they have just really expanded and i mean they i mean i they have books you know from um, all the books probably most of the books that my grandchildren have have You know, a variety and diversity and people of color and white and Asian. And uh, so this is what they're exposed to at four years old and five years old, um, which was very different 20 years ago.
1: Absolutely. You know, and I think it's important, you know, sometimes people ask me for the books that I've written, because in addition to uh, the, the American Girl book, I've also written a number of picture books. And they'll say, well, are these books just for children of color? The the books are Cloth Crown, I'm a Girl of Color, and I'm a Boy of Color. And I always tell them, no, they're not just for children of color. It's really for all children, right? We don't see a, a book that features predominantly white children and say, is this just a book for white children? No, we assume that it's for all children. And I think the same has to be done with books that feature children of color because what we're trying to do is help children expand their bubbles and really be able to see how big the world is and how much diversity we have in the world so that they can establish some positive um, understandings of difference, right, and what that looks like and and why that's important and why that's okay and it's it's good.
0: Well, it's great, but let's start with the practical. Okay, so you have young parents and the kids are reading all the books and maybe they don't even... Say anything, or they're not asking you questions. Or you know, why is one person's uh, color of their skin one color, and somebody sometimes? And they just—it becomes just part of their who they are, their environment. Do you are you as a parent supposed to say something, or are you supposed to make them aware that they're you know of the diversity, or do you just wait till they ask you questions, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, so I think it all depends on your child and also kind of where they're at in their developmental process. I think one of the things that anybody, you know, who teaches reading or who teaches uh, learning, one of the things that we'll talk about is this idea of how do we ask questions that allow for children to think and allow for them to kind of explore and, and become curious and kind of spark that curiosity. So the exact words that you use, you know, when you do that, how you do that will be dependent on your child's disposition, but also on their age and, and what they are. But I think being able to say like, hey, what do you see in this picture? That's really cool. What, what do you like about this picture? What's um, something that you notice that really like sticks out to you? And it's not probing because you need them to tell you, oh, that person's a different race or that person has on a turban or that. It's more so to get them to a place where they are with intention kind of recognizing what they're seeing on the page. And so I think that your your job in, in teaching reading and your job in teaching, you know, or, or being able to expose children to different things is really trying to spark that curiosity. And I will tell you the opposite of the curiosity is the fear. Uh, you know, because what I will see often is instead of, you know, asking those open-ended questions and kind of facilitating a conversation and a thought process and... Um, listening to what's on their mind or what they're seeing that's different, a lot of times what we want to do is we want to not talk about those things, right? Oh, we're all the same. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Let's focus on the story. Let's, let's Whatever it might be, right? However we might want to deter children away. But what that does is it sparks this fear of us really young that, oh, this is something I can't talk about. Wait, I said that that person in the book had a turban on, and then we changed the subject. So can I not talk about that? Is that considered something taboo, right? And we pick up on those cues very, very, very young, and we're socialized to kind of fear having these conversations. So I think it's twofold. One, make sure that we're keeping these open-ended conversations. Two, also making sure that we're inspiring curiosity and not fear in the way that we ask the question.
0: So be available and and be aware. I mean, as you say, kids pick up on on very subtle cues, I I think, and very often parents, as you say, are not aware of that. So let's talk about the different ways that you can, as a parent, or as an adult, or as a grandparent, uh, you can model your own behavior uh, that's appropriate, that helps children understand inclusion and diversity.
1: You know, I love that you use the word model. (laughs) because I think that that is like the critical component. You know, I think one of the things that as adults, and I'm going to use myself as an example, so I'm the parent of of two children. I have a 9-year-old and a 13-year-old. And I, you know, when they were young, one of the big things that I had to really train myself on, right, and had to really get to this place of, of of understanding that I would do more damage than harm if I kept trying to perpetuate this in their minds or in my minds was the fact that I was always going to be right or that I had all the answers. <laughs> you know, when they're when they're little and they ask you a question, you give them an answer, they're like, "Okay, I'm satisfied. I can keep moving." You know, as they get older, they might start asking you more questions and I know that there were these moments where I was like, "Oh goodness, they just asked me a question I don't know the answer and I would get a little bit panicked, right? Like I'm supposed to know the answer. That's my job as their parent. I'm I'm supposed to be this great guiding force and realizing that actually I was setting myself up and them up for failure by creating this illusion that I somehow had, I was the fountain of all knowledge, right? And so I think what was much more healthy and has yielded a much better relationship with myself, with me and myself and, you know, giving myself grace, but also my relationship with my children is being able to say, I don't know. I really don't know, but let's find out together. And that has become just a real saving um, kind of like phrase for me as a parent. I don't know, but let's find out together. And it goes to that idea of modeling. Because I think sometimes, you know, what I hear from adults is, well, I don't want to make the problem worse. What if I say the wrong thing? I, you know, what if my intentions are, are unclear? I don't know everything about everything, so how could I possibly? I hear these things, and I understand that sentiment. But wouldn't it be more, like, useful for everybody if it's like, yeah, I don't know. Let's find out together. <laughs> wouldn't that be, you know, something that would allow for us to learn more and kind of move more quickly to these ideas of inclusion? I, I think so. And so that's one of the big behaviors that I think that we can model. You don't have to know everything. As a matter of fact, even if you think you might know, stop. Take the opportunity to refresh your own knowledge and to show your children where you're going to get information and why you're going to that place and how you're testing that information for its validity so that they know how to do that kind of thinking themselves.
0: I keep, especially now I have a second chance with with, with <laughs> uh, grandchildren, because, you know, parents tend to think they do know everything and what they say is the truth. So uh, I'm listening to what you have to say. But I mean, I'm always talking about in a global sense, you know, they, they point out somebody who they think or feel is different or this is I, I'm always well, I keep emphasizing and you can tell me if it's the wrong thing to do, but that uh, being everybody has something special to offer and being different is what makes us strong we all need to have different qualities to um to share and when we share them then we can do good stuff or whatever it is so i I keep kind of saying that oh and and uh, oh okay and then as kids they go on to next anyway but uh (laughs) right it's um but I, i think that that's i think that's a really important message you know that that this this idea of 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 diversity and difference is such a positive thing. And I think you have to keep, to me, I think you have to keep saying it over and over. I I just finished, uh, well, there's your book and there's uh, Sonia Sotomayor, her book about uh, Just Ask. I don't know if you've seen that book.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think you're absolutely right. Like, I do think that being able to say, what's awesome about that? Oh, this yeah. is different than how we do this. What's awesome about that? Right, right away, what it does is it trains you up in thinking about difference as not something to be avoided, or something to be looked down upon, or something to be again afraid of, but it's something to be celebrated. That is so cool. We totally don't eat anything like that. What's cool about that? What's awesome about that? Ooh, what would it look like if we tried to do that? Are we? Do we have any foods that are kind of similar to that that maybe we could try and do a fusion? Would you ever be open to trying that, right? Like, these are the kinds of questions, like, wow, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I think you said the word celebrate. We need to celebrate it. Otherwise, right. it's boring. We're just boring, boring people. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, so celebration, that's a good word. I think that's a great word. Um, oh, yeah, and- we
1: talk about all the time in this work. You know, I think a lot of people, like, make the assumption that because we, the times we talk about race, unfortunately, are a lot oftentimes you know, kind of grounded in trauma. Some
0: yeah. thing, well, it's well what the kids on see the on the news, news, and I wanted you to address that, actually. I know I'm interrupting yeah. because they do see a lot of things, you know, and they question. And and some, and some, that's difficult, I think, for parents sometimes to get into a conversation about that. So maybe you can, um, you know, let, let's uh, get some advice from you.
1: Absolutely. No, I'd, I'd love to share that. But what I was going to just kind of say is, like, I think that part of the work happens before those things happen, right? Like, and that is we have to do the work of making sure that most of the time, a majority of the time when we're talking about difference and we're talking about different identities, that it's positive. Because if we also are kind of um, programming ourselves to think that the only time we can talk about race or the only time we can talk about identities is when something terrible has happened, that is also going to be another reason for people to have fear or to, um, to feed that fear, right, or to try and avoid the conversation. But if we're creating opportunities to celebrate diversity, if we're creating opportunities to talk about how cool it is that we have so, much, uh, so, so, much, uh, so many different flavors in the world, yeah. then when it comes to having these harder conversations, right, we've got some groundwork that allows for the, student, for the students, for the child, for the um, grandchild, for the niece, for the nephew, for the next-door neighbor, it allows for us to be able to create more meaningful conversations that are not just negative. And so I think that's one thing that I would say, is having frequent, often conversations so that it's not out of the norm and kind of just part of, like, who you are, that building up those muscles so that if something does happen, right, and we see something then we have some bigger context that we can put it into. You know what? This thing happened. How, how do you think, um, uh, what do you think about it? And asking questions and generating the questions. So I'm going to give you some really pointed tips, though, right? Because I'm, I'm, I try to be as practical as possible. <laughs> Being a parent, I'm like, okay, Deanna, that sounds all good. But what, yeah. what, am I actually, what am I actually doing? I think one of the things to do is to make sure that you're prioritizing your children. And what do I mean by that? It's the number one thing that we talk about when we talk about, and we give kind of like some ideas here. Prioritizing your children means that you have to make sure that you are not overwhelming them with your own feelings. We live in a really highly polarized moment in history, and we are also being taught right now that we get to like everything or smile at everything or give everything a heart, right? We're being taught that we need to have an opinion about everything, and It's important to have, like, our own feelings and all of those things. I would never, ever, ever discount that. But when we're having conversations with children, especially, you know, our younger children, I think it's important to understand that we need to go into the conversation with centralizing them, right, if this is really truly going to be a learning opportunity for them, and focusing on what their experience is, not what my experience is, and trying to put that on top of them. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sort of putting it, I'm thinking about really young children. I'm just kind of going back to my young grandchildren, you know, how that fits in. Their experiences are somewhat limited. So it's what we provide for them, the books they read, the films they see, you know, the conversations they have. So, and I guess we are polarized, you know, it's hard for me not to give my, my opinion. Um, so, uh, you know, it, and they, yeah, it's yeah.
1: And I, let me tell you, let me tell you how I failed at this, because I love using myself as an example, right? So let me tell you how yeah. I failed. you know, something happens, I see it. And I'm like, before I, we're watching it together, before I even give my child a chance to say like, what is that? What happened? Oh my gosh, what's going on? I'm like, I can't believe this, you know, and I get all happy. Like, I can't believe why would anybody, and then I'm like, wait a minute. That's not fair, right? If I go through all that and then I turn to my child and say, so what do you think? Well, what are they going to do? Well, I mean, that's not a very, like, I'm not setting them up for an opportunity to have independent thought. And so I think that one of the things, you know, I've tried to do, and, I've again, I failed at this, right, because there are things that, these, these, some of these topics are extraordinarily emotional. They feel very personal. So being able to say, like, you know what, I need to process where I'm at with this for a minute, before I even try and engage in a conversation with my child. And, and how do you make that room and how do you make that call? It's practicing, right? And knowing that you're going to make up mistakes sometimes, but really practicing so that you can make sure that you're prioritizing them. Because, again, at the end of the day, our biggest gift that we can give our kids is a toolkit. It's the process, right? It's not our opinion.
0: You know, that's great advice, and, and I find that hard to do. You're right. Uh, I'll see something that, and, and it makes me angry or it gets me upset, and I'm just out there saying it, and not, and they're look. You're right. Then they're going to, well, what can they say without, you know, just put the kibosh on that and be able to, to step back and, um, and not do that? Practice, 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 right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think so. two more tips I'll give you here just because um, I have tons, but I'll I'll give you two more. Uh, (laughs) One is, uh, like, another thing I think that's really important to do, because, again, if we're thinking about process, is asking our children what they already know. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in conversations with young people, and I've got all these assumptions about what they do or don't know. And oftentimes, it's what I think they don't know. And then I ask them a question right? And I say, well, what do you already know about this? And they will go to, I mean, they will put me in my place and I will end the conversation thinking, I don't know anything about this, right? I'm the one who's less educated in, in this space or around this issue, around this topic. And so, I think really being able to allow for our children to share what they already know, not assuming that they don't know. Because again, in this like time, there are things that our kids are getting exposure to. A lot of, you know, schools right now, um, children have their own personal computers. I don't. You know, I don't know about you, but, like, if we wanted to get online, I, we had to wait a half an hour, make sure nobody picked up the phone, we got a dial tone, if we even got, you know, had internet, like, all these things. We did not have access, like, our children do. Yeah, they have save. so much
0: and, access to information. That's very true. How um, much
1: access to information? And
0: but you like, know, I, I think the other school. thing that it's just, not even
1: like stuff we have to give them, right? they're they're, they're it's everywhere.
0: They ha- yeah, and, and and as you say, you you really do have to listen and get a feel for where they're coming from because uh, don't make. <laughs> I I was uh, reading a book to one of my grandsons and the girl, she was Asian, and he said, "Oh yes, I know she's t- she's I, my friend at school is." is Chinese. And I know she's Chinese. And I said, Oh, okay. And he said, yeah, because she eats chi- Chinese food. And I said, okay. And that was his definite. It was, it just struck me as so funny because he was just, um, I mean, that was, that was his, uh, yeah, that's why. He, yeah, that's I mean, right. it, yeah.
1: Yeah. It was. And, yeah, fine. And, and And you have to say like, okay, have we ever, you know, and you get to, that's where you get to have the fun. That's where you get to say like, Okay, but we have we ever had Chinese food? And we're not Chinese, but we still get to enjoy Chinese food. How cool is it that we can have food from different cultures? I mean that's a beautiful opportunity to right, celebrate that diversity.
0: Yeah. Oh he he was it was very positive for him. Yes, Oh, she's yeah, one of his closest friends. Um yeah. Um, and so, but, so the
1: third yeah. one is, um, <laughs> this is another hard one, and I'm, I'm going to call my own self out again here, but it's providing facts and not editorial.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Providing facts and not editorials, Because, again, one of the things, if we're talking about process, is that it's important for our children to understand, oh, this might, where did I actually get that notion from, right? Where did I m- start making that connection and are there other places I might be making that connection? And maybe it's right, or maybe I'm making that connection it's not right. And I need to be able to process that and understand what are facts and what are editorials. And so I think it's really important to kind of model that behavior too. Instead of trying to control what they're thinking, really asking them to connect what they think back to the information where they got it from.
0: So we have a couple of minutes left. What, what, sure. what yeah, um, Obviously we want to read your book we want other people to read your book parents uh child well children um grandchildren grandmothers grandfathers everybody right so where what website or websites can we go to to get more information about the book and also about what you do and as you said you've written several other books
1: Yes absolutely so you know you can get information about all the books that I've written on our website, it's upliftingimpact.com. com. The American Girl specifically book you can get at any American Girl store or any you know retailer online that sells American Girl. Um, one thing I will share that I think is important is in doing this work, one of the things I really realized, and this is it, it, it tickled me right, was that a lot of people um, have reached out to me and said, "Hey, I went and bought this book for um, the children of my life, the American Girl book, the Girls Guide for Children of My Life," and. I was reading it, and then I thought, I should use this as my team. And so we have had multiple companies and organizations and teams actually buy the book, not for their children and their lives, but for themselves and for their teams. And so one of the things um, I'm so excited about is I have another book coming out with Penguin Random House called Action Speak Louder. It is available now, but it's coming out. The release date is May 31st of 2022. And one of the things um, that I've seen in working with children, and working with adults, and working with small nonprofits and Fortune one hundred companies, is that a lot of us need the same thing. We need some of that.
0: And I think we're a lot. We we have to sit, we have thirty seconds left, and we are going to be off the air. So, um, Deanna Singh, go to those websites, and then you can get more information about the books and the book that's coming out. In 2023, Deanna Singh, a, a Smart Girls Guide, Race and Inclusion, Standing Up to Racism and Building a Better World. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I hate to cut you Thank off. Thank you. Yeah. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.